Saab Magalana Bacaro is a literal rock star as a musician, a podcaster, and social media personality. She's also a wife and a mom, and it's in these aspects of her life that her story clouds over a bit. In 2018, a pregnant Saab and her husband Jim lost one of their twins, daughter Luna, with Saab delivering son Pancho via emergency C-section and almost losing her own life in the process. They've since happily welcomed another son, Vito. But how does a mother grieve the loss of her child? How do a wife and husband work through that grief? My name is Leah Cruz. On this episode of What Glass Ceiling, we talk to Sab Magalona Bacar. Hi, Sab. Thanks for coming on What Glass Ceiling. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Leah. I'm so excited, and I'm actually very honored to be part of your guest list. <laughs> well, we're we're so. Excited to hear your story too, and and you haven't even started talking yet, but I'm already moved by this. What I do know of your story, okay, let's get into it. All right, so back in 2018, you were an expectant mom for the first time. You were pregnant with twins, yeah. and of course, everyone would think that that's a beautiful and such a joyous milestone for for anyone. But for you, essentially, it ended up turning into a nightmare. So, can you tell us about it? Yeah, actually, I found out I was pregnant in 2017. That's about over two years after I got married, and we weren't planning to have kids right away. So it was it was really great. Now it was just me and Jim at the start of our marriage, and we were able to travel and everything. And then unexpectedly, it's actually a funny story. We found out I was pregnant, and then and then we found out we were having twins, and then. We found out it was boy and girl twins, and it was just also what, what? But it's all parang parang nice surprises, you know. And then uh, in 2018, February, that was ang real ano ko due date ko was April of 2018, and then in Feb I was pooping bud, and then a quick Google search says parang sometimes bloody diarrhea happens. Eh. I was. It was my first pregnancy, so parang I didn't want to overreact and everything. But then, uh, message kana man yung OB ko at the time, and then he said to see him the following day, and then that was when nga, I was having parang heart palpitations, and then I went to visit him, and it was it just happened so fast. He, uh, um, actually. He was gonna send me home, pa. After I went to him, but I, I, I said, talaga, I really don't feel well, and I, I, I fainted in his office. Yeah. So I asked before, and before I fainted, I asked, like, I don't think I can go home. I really don't feel well, and yon, I was admitted na. And then it was the longest wait, because I was in the hospital and. They were, uh, parang it was a in in hindsight. I wish me and my husband, parang sana we contacted our parents right away, but we didn't wanna, we didn't wanna scare them, sure. And we trusted our doctor and everyone in the hospital. We felt like we were in the best place that we could be. But then again, it was her first pregnancy, so we didn't really know what was normal and what wasn't normal. And it turns out, a lot of things weren't normal about what was happening to me. And yon, 
it was only until arang it was very bad na that's when we thought of calling our parents it was <laughs> i can't even uh, honestly i mean it's very at first it was difficult for me to talk about because it was i would get very emotional about it but i've dealt with those things na pero in in my own way now it's harder to to say to to, to recall because i actually i feel like parang i blocked it out now of my memory but i do I do understand how talking about it could actually help other expecting mothers. Yeah, so nag overnight pa ako. The next day, they did an ultrasound and then my baby girl's heartbeat wala na. She she wasn't there anymore, which was very strange because I remember when they were looking for the heartbeat of the two babies, they were having a hard time looking for the second one. And then I remember and I was on So I was sedated, so I can't really remember everything so well. But I do remember close to midnight, they were even ringing a bell near my tummy because they said one of the babies wasn't really responding. So if you can imagine, that was close to midnight. And then my next ultrasound was around 10 a.m. by the next day. So it was very, it wasn't well handled. And yon. so <laughs> after I was told that There was no more heartbeat. It was an emergency C-section. And yeah, that was it. They tried to save the boy, Pancho. And then they also... It was very difficult then for them to make the choice because I was I had lost a lot of blood already. And opening me up meant that my life would also be in danger. Parang my, my hemoglobin was at a five, which is very, very low. Um, can't remember what the normal limits are. Pero, yun, it was a life-threatening operation, apparently. But, I do remember going into the operating room na parang, I was taking deep breaths and I was just, honestly, when I was told that the baby's heart stopped beating, I was like, no, like, they made a mistake. That's not true. So, All I could do was do deep breaths and just, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Keep yourself, keep yourself I'm, calm, keep yourself yeah. steady so that yeah. you could go, go through the rest of the procedure. Yeah. Um, what, did they give a name to what happened to you no, and to? They, no, because they didn't know either. They didn't know. So we got to the operating room and then um, I was really thinking like they made a mistake and they're going to pull out my babies and they're going to be fine. Until, uh, you know, as in I was watching them uh, take out the babies from my belly. And they said that the baby girl was, was uh, I forget the words they used. But, you know, parang the boy, we didn't have a name at that time. Because we weren't, we didn't know, we weren't ready for them. So they both didn't even yeah. have names. Yeah. I mean, final names. And then, yun, next thing I know, I was in the ICU. I was in and out of the ICU for 10 days. It was a, yeah. So that's what happened. Sounds like an incredibly harrowing experience. And I'm yeah, sure it was, it, it, it's taking a lot out of you right now just to go back and revisit it. Yeah, it was, it was a traumatizing experience. Because 
Um, I remember when I found out I was pregnant the second time, me and my husband, we didn't know how to feel. I mean, yeah. mixed feelings talaga kasi parang, what? I'm gonna go through that again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did you recover from that? Let's, let's, let's do physically first because those were actual things that you had to recover from, not just emotionally and mentally, but physically. Yeah. I, I was in the hospital for 10 days. Um, my baby, si Pancho, he was in the ICU for two months. So physically, for me, because it was a CS, uh, two months, I wasn't taking care of my baby directly. So it yeah. was faster for me to heal. Um, I was able to uh, get some rest because they were also figuring out like what, what was causing my bleeding and everything. Um, yeah, so it took 10 days for me to stabilize. Parang what happened was a freak occurrence. Apparently, I have this congenital thing called Meckel's diverticulum. It's a thing in the intestine and stress. Uh, actually, you know what? I still don't really know what, what caused it to bleed. But they say it's stress and um, syempre, a pregnancy could cause it to bleed. So I still have it up to now. And that's why my second pregnancy was still considered a high-risk pregnancy. Because I was supposed to get it taken out. But then I got pregnant again. Okay. <laughs> and okay. then, yeah, so it's a, it's a complicated story talaga. But yeah, I did all the tests because they, they thought I had an, an autoimmune disease. I did every test imaginable. And then a lot of operations, a lot of opening up and stuff and... Physically recovering from that, I I, did, I I wasn't really thinking about it. Because all I could think of was my my babies. So I wasn't really thinking of, you know, it's painful or whatever. I wasn't thinking of that at all. And honestly, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> I didn't feel anything. Okay. And, and how about for Pancho, his recovery for your son? Oh yeah, it was a roller coaster talaga because that first night um my my husband si Jim kept going back and forth the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit and my ICU room and he was just trying to be positive. He didn't want me to panic or anything. So he was kind of not telling me everything. But then later on I found out na the first night the doctors told Jim that Pancho wasn't going to make it. That's why pala, I was wheeled into the NICU, even if I wasn't okay pa. I was wheeled in to, so I could say goodbye to him. Definitely, they said he wasn't going to make it through the night. And then it was very uh, scary, definitely. Yeah. And then uh, I got discharged. Then I was able to visit him. And I was told na he needed an, he needed an operation. He was two weeks old. He needed a uh, he needed brain surgery, but he pulled through against yeah. what against the odds. Everything, everything, talaga. Um, basically, they were telling us to get ready. He's gonna be a vegetable his whole life um, if he even lasts. And now he's pulling himself up. He's so good at. Um, he knows how to do twinkle twinkle little star oh. with his with hand gestures and then 
he knows he he can do so much talaga like he knows where is his head where is his nose ears like things that i didn't think that he would be able to do and we were even told that he might be blind so he talagang against all odds talaga si Pancho that's why we don't even really take it so seriously when people tell us I mean, medical professionals, as much as I respect them, um, I also really do respect when the uh, neurosurgeon told us about neuros- neuroplasticity, which is the brain being able to learn and adjust even if it's not supposed to. That's amazing. That sounds yeah. amazing. What do you call Pancho's condition, if I may ask? He has cerebral palsy, global developmental delay, and yeah, that's that's it for now. Parang it's a you're able to determine things as they grow older, but obviously because of um, the lockdown, it's been harder for us to keep going back to yeah. his doctors. Because before the lockdown, yeah. Pancho, we would have maybe about three doctors visit every week. Um, those are different doctors, eye doctors, therapists, uh, neurodevelopmental pedia, normal pedia. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And this is just the physical. I know this is just the physical recovery that that we're discussing. But you know, those you did mention earlier that talking about it, you understand, would help other moms. So yeah especially the expectant moms, what yeah. what are certain warning signs that they have to watch out for? How do they know that something's wrong, especially um, if they've never been pregnant before? Siguro if, for me, which is, it's it's very hard for me to get over this. Ha? I blamed myself for a very, very long time. I was very guilty. Because I am pretty obsessive about things. And I super do my research. That's why it really... Um, really killed me that this happened. Because I, I was thinking like, I thought I was on top of things and I can't believe like I, it happened to me and I did all my, you know, I, I read so many books. I, I'm part of so many apps. But I would tell moms that nothing beats your intuition. If you feel like something's wrong and even if Google says that it's normal, it's okay, if it feels like, um, I think there's something wrong, it's better to overreact. Honestly, I think just go to the doctor. And if there is one thing that I am glad that I did, it's that I put my foot down and I said, you have to admit me. Then I didn't leave his office, even if he wanted to send me home. Because then maybe all three of us would have died. I would tell moms, really, follow, follow your instincts. Because mother's instinct is real. And... You're a mother now, even if you're yeah. not, if, even if you haven't given birth yet, you're, you're a mom now. And it's true. It, it really works. How about your emotional journey, your emotional healing? How did you process that? Oh, for the first maybe two to three months, I really was, I, I really was letting it all out. I, every night I would, I would just cry. I would really cry and I would let it out. And I thought it would help. And it, it kind of helped. Then I was also getting stressed because I felt like I was being so um parang ang, ang bigat ko na sa husband ko who was just 
so supportive. And he was just really listening and taking care of me. And um, it was just, at night lang talaga, it hits me hard. And especially when, when Pancho was home na. Kasi when he wasn't home yet, and he was in the hospital, which we would go to every day, but then we would go home to sleep. Uh, siguro it was easier in a sense because uh, not having Pancho at home or actually having him in our house just it just magnified the fact that there was only one of them at home <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm crying no please please Sab go ahead yeah. so, you can take a pause if you need yeah it took a lot of help sa family ko like before going home I remember my my mom and my in-laws they made sure to clear the baby's room of all the twin stuff because we had two cribs two of everything so it was very it was very hard I know I said that I, I've been dealing with it so it's funny that I'm crying now but I will say that it it, it really doesn't go away shempre um it's with me forever. And it, it's very, it's difficult to process. But I've definitely gone a long way na talaga. At the start, I was really, really crying every night. As in wailing. <laughs> and then I tried different things like meditation. I even went to this like <laughs> hippy-dippy thing, which I, <laughs> I mean, it helped. Honestly, I think it helped. I was scared at first like eh, I say I'm uh I'm not exactly religious but I'm afraid of those things that are outside of catholic norms but I did go to some some healing stuff I I tried everything and I think it helped me and then definitely the spirituality factor praying every day it helped me too I think it's just different ways to cope and um, having a great support system in my husband actually really, really helped. I was also going to ask about Jim because, of course, this is his story just as much as it is yours. How did how did he cope also? Oh, yeah. See, Jim, I really saw the transformation in him because he freaks out very, very easily. <laughs> and then when I... When it happened, I just remember parang we were in awe of each other. Because I didn't realize how I was at the time. But Jim told me that every time he would enter the ICU or my normal hospital room, like he said that I was always I always had a smile ready for him. I didn't realize it, but I was always like, Hi. Na parang nothing happened though. And it gave him strength. And for me, I think the reason why I was smiling is because I see him and I'm just so happy that he's there. And he would just be so, he was just such a, honestly, it was, I've never seen anything manlier. <laughs> he was such a man. He was the man. And not not in a sexist way, but like in a way that, you know, there are boys and there are men. And he was just really, he was a man. 
He was he took care up. of you. Yeah. He took care of me. He took care of our baby. And I realized I went through a trauma, but his was a different kind of trauma. Na he definitely went into a mode. Because he was going from from one dying loved one to another and making sure na parang things are okay and he was also handling our families that were there and grieving and he was just oh gosh like he was totally our rock and through the years it's been three years now I have encouraged him and I've had to push him to get professional help because even if he was, he is definitely like he he wasn't crying every night or anything. Um, but I I was concerned about that because I feeling ko if I was like pouring my emotions every night and he wasn't, I felt like is he okay? So definitely, I think it helped. Na, na he he also talked to someone, and he's still he, talking to someone. Yeah. Are you still talking to someone also? Yeah, I am. I am. See, Jim Ren, because he was he started having anxiety attacks uh, early last year, and ano ba ba? Yeah, parang mentally it was it was very. I think it it really was PTSD. What happened to us? Na parang we're just like waiting always for something wrong to happen. That was our mode. Parang we were just okay. like can't we couldn't really appreciate the present. Because you were just waiting like, oh, something is going to happen. Because something did happen when we weren't expecting it. I was going to ask this later in the interview, but I think this is the right time. Um, after what you've experienced, how do you prevent yourselves from making decisions and operating based on fear? Because like, like you said, um, you worry and you're anxious and you're scared even when you uh-huh. had your second pregnancy. But... Do you re- do you think that hey we can't we can't live this way? I mean, how do you prevent that? How do you prevent that from being the basis of your movements and your decisions? Yeah, uh, I think um, pregnancy wise, my husband had it. He had it very hard. Nung second time, because he was he was like he, he was treating me like a super fragile being and i can't blame him and because of what happened the first time i was so hell-bent on doing this one so differently so i wanted to do a v-back which is a vaginal birth after cesarean section um i was thinking like i don't know what i was thinking because it hadn't even been a year that I healed na and I was pregnant kaagad. So definitely, it wasn't the safest. And I was, and my OB was talking to us and she was trying to talk to Jim and say, parang, I think I need your help in convincing your wife not to do a V-back. Um, so I was, I was on, I was in the middle of listening to the doctor's advice and also listening to my own instinct. So it was very, very difficult because I listened to the doctor 100% the first time and I feel like it didn't work. So I need to listen to myself. But then it was good that I had Jim 
who was helping me find the balance. And what helped was he actually, it was funny because he kind of staged an intervention with our parents. He, he invited my mom over and um, his parents ran. And we talked about like our birthing plan. And then I started crying because my mom was saying, it's okay, like you can do. I started crying because subconsciously, I guess, why I wanted to do it is because all of my mom's eight kids were normally delivered. And all of my ate's four kids were normally delivered. And then I'm the next one in our family to have kids. So I was just like, why? Why? Why would it be different? Why? Why did this happen to me? And I just want it to be normal, like my mom and my sister. And I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And then that's when I, I didn't know that that was the reason pala behind it. But it, talking about it, I just wanted it to be normal. But my mom told me, na, well, your first birth wasn't the typical kind. And that makes it different this time. And just because your birth is different from mine doesn't mean that I'm any less, diba? So, you know, it, it took my mom talking to me about it and reassuring me that it's not a big deal if it's, you know, the same as theirs. It's just a different story. Um, and, of course, I have to think of my own safety and the baby's safety and through the through the pregnancy, I didn't have a choice because my baby grew so big. Yeah, that's Vito now. And you see how big he is. And yeah, I, I delivered him. He was 9.2 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big... <laughs> yeah. You illustrated how you had to learn also. You had to go through the process of... Mm-hmm not making decisions based on certain yeah. fears that you have. Yeah. But like, for example, every, in your everyday lives, like you look at Pancho or you look at Vito or you look at Jim and how do you prevent fear from encompassing everything and worry and anxiety? Because I'm sure it eats you up inside and it sort of gets into every little aspect, every nook and cranny of your lives. I think at first, it was affecting my work life. Personal life, it didn't affect it as much. Kasi ako ah, for me personally, parang with, with all the, the, the meditation and prayers that I was doing, I was journaling. I am still journaling. And it's really helped keep me in the present now talaga. So when I'm with the kids, it's really, that's all that matters talaga. Like I, I'm not thinking of what's gonna happen to Pancho. Of course, of course those times... So there are times na suddenly I think like, uh, what's going to happen when he's a teenager and I can't carry him anymore? And how 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 is it going to be? But then parang ako, oh, I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm just going to, I mean, we're playing, we're playing the drums right now. And that's, that's what we're doing. Playing the drums and I'm carrying him and I'm savoring this moment and we're dancing. And that's it. Why am I going to worry about that when... I know naman na I'm doing everything I can to to help him. Like we do therapy three to four times a week and that's all I can do. That's all I can control and nothing will happen if I just keep worrying about the future. And I've had to I've I've talked to Jim about this because he was having a harder time staying present before, but I'm so glad na he's also able to 
to stay in the present talaga now. But it was harder for me, which I just found out recently, na it was affecting my work life. Kasi in everything that I would do, parang I just would freeze. And it turns out that it is part of the trauma and the... Parang I lost confidence in myself um, because of what happened. Parang I lost confidence in myself. I didn't trust myself. And then it was also hard for me to delegate things because I didn't want to trust anyone either because of what happened. And it's so strange because it was, it's, it stemmed from my tra- traumatizing birth experience, but then it, in my brain, it worked its way into my work life. And so parang I couldn't get projects done. I couldn't, I, I didn't know what to do. And I, and I just ended up not doing anything because parang, I just, I don't want to. And I, uh, I'll just say, I just stay with my kids. You know, that's what was happening to me for a very long time. And, you know, I feel like with God's blessings, parang, I'm so glad na I'm able to overcome it. Yung nga, I, I sought professional help and that's how we figured out that I was still depressed pala. And I didn't realize it. I thought I was just having like attention problems. <laughs> and then he, this was recent, he, recently? Yeah, this was this was just at the start of the year, 2021. And then he said, nah, you're still depressed. I said, I'm not depressed. I'm not crying anymore. But then he said, there are, there are different ways to handle depression. And he said, you're, uh, you're kind of a high... Parang, well, he, he didn't say the words. I, I, I'm the one who just said it. <laughs> I'm a high-functioning depressed person pala. Because I didn't have time to curl up in bed and cry because I was bringing up two boys... So, you know, with all the doctor's appointments and then getting pregnant and then raising another baby, I've just been going through the motions and just, (laughs) I wasn't really able to process my feelings. Even if I was crying at night those first few months, it was also timed that I could cry at night and then I had to schedule it because the next day I'd have a shoot. Okay. I can't cry because my mom got eyes. And it's just, it's so, it's so hard to, you know, to just not be able to process it and go yeah, through it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad na with, with my therapist's help and my husband's help, we're able to really express our grief and honor our baby, Luna, by just being present for our babies and our, our family right now. You have an extraordinary story really really. and it's not something that most mothers go through but in terms of taking care of oneself as a mom and and making sure that you're okay it's i mean self-care it's a very important topic for moms but it's usually the last on the priority list even though it shouldn't be because you need to keep yourself healthy in order to take care of someone else what would you tell other moms who are struggling at making this a priority for themselves as well I've learned that it's really, really important to have your cup filled so that you can pour from it. So definitely, I take pride in having quality time with my kids. I really make sure that the time I spend with them, I'm fully focused on them and, I, and they have my full attention. That's why if I have to extend my work time and, you know, there's there's that guilt then, parang, oh my gosh. like So I'll say, it's okay, yeah. it's okay, it's okay, Sab, it's okay. I mean, that's why they… I'm. I'm blessed that I have wonderful help and they love our babies. It's not as if like I'm leaving him alone and like not feeding him. So, but there's that mom guilt, diba, that I had to deal with. And then I just yeah. have to keep pushing it like, okay, you know what? No one's judging you but yourself. And you know that 
if you're with him right now, but like you're carrying him, but you're like on your phone and like fixing stuff, what's the point, diba? At least if he's with the with the yeah yeah, at least Marin Chang full attention and he's enjoying. So I had to really like deal with that. And I had to also talk to my husband about yeah. it. Because he also dealt with that, especially in quarantine. He was working from home and he was like, he couldn't deal with it. Because, you know, when you're in your room and you can hear the kids and then you're like, oh my God, I'm a horrible father because yeah. I can hear them and I'm not playing with them. <laughs> so, yeah, ako, I really promote having quality time with the kids. So make sure to get your stuff done. And... Yeah, learn to prioritize para you get it. You get stuff done as early and as quickly as possible. And you get the, the most important stuff done. Para if towards the end, you're like, okay, I can let go of these because I want to be with my kids. Then it's okay. And you know, before all of this happened to you, I mean, you you really had like a full schedule. You had a full plate. You were, you were already a podcaster, a musician, a blogger. Basically, you were a rock star. And then all of a sudden, you had all of this heaped on you. And... Adjusting to motherhood without going through a traumatic experience is hard enough, but you had all of that to deal with. So how did you come to terms with accepting your new reality and a reality that you definitely did not envision while you were preparing for motherhood? Um, yeah, I think it was very hard for me at first because when you become a mom… And then when you finally have time to think about it, because at the start, it's like, okay, you're really like… Breastfeeding and changing diapers, giving the baby a bath, and you know there's it's exciting, it's new, and it's you no. Know, but then after a few weeks, you kind of, parang what what have I turned into? <laughs> I feel like I'm a robot who's just like okay, clean baby, um, feed baby, and sometimes I I would feel that parang what what happened to me? And parang I'm just like where did my old self go? That 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 happened to me talaga. I thought about it. And then, it would make me kind of upset and I would get sad. Parang, I used to be fun. <laughs> then, if you, if you think about it that way, syempre, I mean, of course, you're allowed to think that naman. But I would recommend just kind of changing your mindset na your old self, yeah, okay, sadly, that's gone. Honestly, that's gone. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing kasi, this is your new reality. But you don't have to be just a mom. It's just really a part of you now. So you evolved. You didn't die. You evolved. Do you ever ask yourself, though, the question, why you? Why Why did you have to go through this? Why did this all happen to you? Honestly, I didn't question that. I, I don't want to say nakakatawa because it's not funny. But, well, funnily, what I was thinking is, every time they say that you're not supposed to eat sushi or whatever, you keep thinking, hmm, but if I have one, <laughs> that's not, not going to happen to me, right? Which I didn't, I didn't naman. But like, you know, when you think that parang, it's not, it's not going to happen to me. So I feel like parang, there are so many probabilities in this world. And ako, I was just always so confident na parang, oh, it's not going to happen to me. And that's the same exact way that I felt about my father. Before he passed, na barang, okay, he got cancer, but he's not gonna die. And then he died. And parang, it's so strange na I still had that confidence. Na parang, it happens to other people, but it's not gonna happen to me. And then it happened to me. And ako talaga, I can't find it. I, I will not 
I don't think I could ever find it in my heart to call it a blessing. I'm not gonna call it of a blessing. Of course. Yeah. It's not a blessing. Yeah. Because some people, they call it a blessing in disguise. I'm, I can't. I can't call the death of my child a blessing. I'm, I, I just can't. But of course, I did learn from it. I did learn about myself. And I did learn about my marriage. I think it did happen to me and my husband because we're able to handle it. Because I, I can imagine if we didn't have a good relationship or not as strong as this one, it really can tear your world apart. And though it did break us into a million pieces, I feel like having that partnership, that true love, it really, it really just made it come out even more. Yung, yung parang, I felt so loved. That's like, that's the most, that's the sweetest thing anyone could have ever done for me. Taking care of me while I was going through that. And, putting me and my baby first. Even if he was like, honestly, if it was like a normal thing, like he would be spiraling out of control and he would need me. <laughs> that's, how our, that's how our relationship works. But for that, like he was really just like, no, I've got it. And yeah, and he, he did say that he became so much more spiritual while going through that. Because he told me about a time that he just couldn't anymore. He was just like, I don't know what's happening. And he stepped outside of the hospital. And then like, he had a conversation with God. And he's like, I don't know what's happening. And I love hearing this story from him. Because he does say that what happened to us is not for humans. <laughs> like, humans can't take it. The pain. And so, that's, that's where the spirituality comes in. Because it's only through, through your faith that you're able to get through it. And that's why I really, I really, really think that I have been blessed by Jim. Loss is, it's so difficult to understand unless you actually go through it. And, you know, people are always saying that no parent should ever have to bury their own child. And yet it happened to you and it happens to other parents. What would you tell other parents who are also grieving, who are in similar situations? What can you offer them? I really think you have to talk about it. Like as much as this is hard for me to talk about now, you really have to let it out. Like even if you, if it's a if it's through writing it or having a journal, you have to let it out because it's just so hard. There's a part of you that that just needs to just to let it out. Talaga. Ako, I'm still. It's been three years, and I'm still. I know it's never gonna. It's never gonna end <laughs> the grief. But then. I read this somewhere na parang grief is like, imagine a room and there's a button on the side of the room. And then there's a ball going inside that small room. And then at the start of it, that ball is really big and it's bouncing and it keeps hitting that button that just keeps reminding you of what happened. But through time, that ball becomes smaller. It's It keeps bouncing parin in that room, but it doesn't hit the button as often. But when it does, it's the same hurt. It's the same feeling. And that's that's how grief is. I think that's the best representation. Like for me, my dad has been gone for more than a decade. But it's still, I still grieve for him. And it's perfectly normal. And ako, what I do now, especially for my baby girl, I really honor her by taking care of other babies that I can. Um, Jim and I actually started a foundation. It's the Luna Isabel Foundation. And we're able to 
put up a playroom in the Quirino Memorial Medical Center where sick babies can play um, when they're getting their treatments done. And aside from that, we partner up with different NICUs and uh, cerebral palsy groups through our Patreon, which is, you can sign up through jimandsab.com. Our pod kids, our podcast listeners can get exclusive access to our content. And then all of the proceeds go to that month's beneficiary. So that's something that we do. And I feel like, you know, in everything that we do, we always think we want our kids, Luna included, to be proud of us. When you look at Pancho and Vita now, what are the most important lessons and values that you'd like to pass on to them? Oh, definitely you have to start with kindness. Like, you just have to be kind in everything. And empathy, I think, is really important. That's something that not a lot of people have. I honestly had to learn through through this. You know, I don't think I would have been able to concentrate on helping other sick children and mothers who are having a hard time if I didn't go through this. So I think you just always have to think that people are going through different things. That's why it's not easy to judge and to condemn people right away. One of the things that I learned is with every action, sometimes if, if you you learn what the experience behind it, something bad happened in their childhood and that's why they're acting out. So I always think that it explains it, but of course it doesn't excuse it. I just want my kids to grow up knowing that we we go through different things as people, as human beings, and well, I feel like there we just all have different journeys, and we'll make mistakes, and we just we just should never condemn one another or what the kids call cancel. I'm going to ask you, Sab, for your yeah. words, for your own personal words to live by. But before that, I I just need to thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I know this wasn't easy, and we're so so honored that you are sharing it with us here on What Glass Ceiling. And I don't think I'll ever really be able to truly express how grateful we are. Oh, thank you. And I'm, I'm, I hope it wasn't such a mess. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So yeah, before we end, can we, can we get your words to live by personally for you? Each breath is a blessing. So I feel like tomorrow is not promised. So I think you have to make the choice today to be happy. Every day, you have to choose it. Thank you so much, Sab. Thank you. Oh <laughs>